At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This is a Neverland podcast, episode 94. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right straight until morning. Neverland. All right, take your pixies out of your pocket, because it's time to fly away to Neverland. Do you have a happy thought? Uh, yep. Okay, good, because otherwise you can't fly without it. That's right. Okay. But this is it. This is episode 94 of the Neverland Podcast. I am, of course, your host, as usual, Jeremy the Spider-Pan. And I am Heather the Windy Nerd. And we are once again together in Neverland. Yep. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Well, Good. mainly because I had a lot of fun yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Toon Fest in Marceline, Missouri, of course, Walt Disney's boyhood home. And, of course, I was there, as I have been now six years that I've been going to this. It's really been that long. Wow, six years. Six years that I've been going to this thing. And it's fun for me every year. It's yep. very small town. Uh, you get a, a parade where the marching bands have maybe ten kids. <laughs> you know? Yep. It's, yep. It's just great fun. And you get to see it twice. Because they turn around and walk back down, yep. down the main street. Yep. Although it's actually like Kansas Street or Kansas Avenue. I forget which. But uh, no. it was, I guess at one point, it was Main Street. It is the Main Street in Marshall. Yeah, it is the Main Street of the town. And therefore, it's, it's still Main Street. Yeah, and it still has the signs up now that do say Main Street USA. Because, of course, it was the basis in Disneyland for Main Street USA. Although mm-hmm. not the actual look of it. That's based off Fort Collins because of uh, the artist that Walt went to. And I always forget the guy's name. And he's got a unique name. And I, hmm. it goes right out of my head. So, but it was the inspiration on the It was right? the inspiration, and Walt even, you know, he went and filmed the Marshallines. I said, this is kind of what I want it to feel like. I want it to feel like when I was a boy there. So, uh, but of course, don't forget to visit NeverlandPodcast.com, and uh, all this information is going to come at you again at the end from that computer voice that Heather really wants me to get rid of. Yes. She wants to do it herself. I just think anything would be better than the computer voice. I don't know. It does a good job, and I time things out very well. So All right, whatever. We haven't heard from anybody saying that they'd rather have you do it. <sighs> I know. <laughs> Your attention, please. Disney Movie News. Okay, so uh, the really there's only one thing I really want to bring up from Disney Movie News, and I want to talk to you a little about is it was announced that Disney is 
in pre-production of a Mary Poppins sequel. Hmm, a sequel. Everybody freaked out on this. Okay. Yes. Everybody's like, oh, no, you can't do it. Oh, no, no. You know, oh, childhood ruined. You know, that typical kind of thing. Well, if it's a sequel, it's not like they're redoing the original, right? right? It's not a remake. If it was a remake, I would be seriously bothered. Yeah, you you can't, you can't remake, remake it. Mary Poppins and make it the same. You can't capture that magic like yeah. you did before. But it's a book series. So you, you yeah. have more material. So there's literary support for actually another... another yes! Movie. You have more stories that can be told. Now, granted, you don't have exactly the same creative team. Uh, Richard Sherman has said it was a good idea, apparently, and given an endorsement, but he has not been talked to about writing new songs. And, of course, you do have questions of who do you cast now as Mary Poppins. There's been so many people, rumors, and saying, oh, well, this is it, and this is this person, but really nothing has happened in casting yet. <laughs> yeah. But people have been saying, oh, it's going to be Emily Blunt. And then some people have put up polls. Would you rather have Anne Hathaway or, um, uh, I forgot her name. She was on it in Frozen. I, oh. Of course I forget names off of that one because oh. I'm trying to I drive it out of my either. head. I don't remember either. I mean, It's the one that's not Idina Menzel. Okay. <laughs> well. I'm, I'm so terrible. I can't believe I forgot her name. But, yeah, there was, there was, I saw people who were polling between her and Anne Hathaway, which, Anne Hathaway, I'm sorry, no, please no. <laughs> I, the only reason why I think they may think of her is because she did work with Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. Now, but I, but I guess I, she she was in that one. I didn't see the Les Miserables musical, and I guess she can sing. But oh, that's good. Yeah, so that's nice. Uh, so can the other girl. But uh, okay, Julie Andrews was an unknown. Yeah, yeah. Walt who's had an eye and an, and an ear for this sort of talent. I mean, he even picked out Annette Funicello, and she became a huge thing. Walt knew the right type of people, and he saw her on a Broadway musical and says, Can, I want to talk to this lady about being Mary Poppins. That's how mm -hmm. we got Julie Andrews. I don't. I think an unknown would be, would be best to be cast. I don't want to see any known celebrities. I'm I think cast an unknown and find somebody who has Walt's ability to find those great talents. Yeah, when you when you told me about the uh, the sequel, I, I immediately thought, well, you know, find someone on Broadway that has you know the singing chops to do it. Um, I, I and the, they have to have the right sort of charm and talent. They do. There, there's a certain Mary Poppins has a certain stuffiness, but also at the same time a certain playfulness, freedom almost. and playfulness about her. So you have to get that balance correct. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I would, and just because this is the trend in Hollywood right now, is to cast some famous person and make them fit into that role. And then you can kind of skimp a little bit on the writing because you're relying on your star to pull, you know, the pull name. It, the name yeah. to pull it. And I don't, I don't think that that should be done. Right. Um, you know, I think, I think going with unknowns is going to be the best in the situation. Um, and you know, you, like I said, pick them from Broadway so that yeah. you know that they can sing, they, they can dance, they can dance, do yes. all of that kind of stuff. And for all of you out there saying no one else can ever play Mary Poppins. Knock it off. She's on Broadway. They right now have a Mary Poppins. This woman has apparently been rocking it as Mary Poppins. They even invited her to Disneyland for the 68th anniversary to sing at the ceremony. Well, and I forget her, her name. It. Have her do it. And, you, know, you know, I would be cool with that. Yeah. And the nice thing I like about her is she looks like a real woman. She's not super, She's not a stick. Yeah. You know, and she's talented. And, I, you know, with that special ABC did on, the, like, Disney musicals, you talk to her. She's she's. Perfect. I think she would be great. Practically perfect in every way. Sure. 
Okay. I, my vote would be to get her because she's done it. She's been playing the character on Broadway, and she's got it down. I'd say, and she can sing. I, I, you know, I'd say, great. She doesn't look like Julie Andrews. So what? She can play the part, and she would be good. Well, I mean, and it comes from a book, so right. You know, the book. I, I think as long as you don't go with like a total opposite of like blonde, and you know, like you keep keep to. The yeah. same, you know, like hair type side, you know, like and make and it kinda, feel like the old. Do not yeah. modernize this. You know, let's I, not pull in. Well, let's just call it Annie, where they had to modernize it so much that it doesn't really resemble I know, you, anything. You didn't like Annie. I know. I, we I, didn't even see. We it didn't I saw see the preview. It. It was like this isn't Annie. Yeah, I was like, no, this is based off of a comic strip that takes place in a certain time period. Don't don't modernize so much that it's not recognizable anymore. So as long as Mary Poppins, well, of course now it can be a different family, so they can mm-hmm. put it in a different year. But to keep the tone of what Travers had written these in, you really have to mm-hmm. set it. Well, of course she didn't write it in the exact, you know, because it was done turn of the century from Walt's boyhood, so it wasn't mm-hmm. exactly when you know Travers had set it. But you know, if you keep that same tone and feel, I think you can I do think it. If you don't keep, modernize. Yeah, you keep that same type of charm. Yeah. I think it will appease and it will please the people who are really, you know, attached to it that grew up with it. Yeah. Um, and if you and, can do, that. and <laughs> it's a and it's a classic. If you can capture that, it's a classic. In and the new, you know, new kids will be drawn into it too. And the other complaints I'm frequently hearing, and I kind of think sometimes this myself, it seems like Disney is having a lack of creative originality lately because they keep taking their old animated classics and making live-action movies and things like that or pulling franchises, and it seems like the idea department is all over at Pixar because Pixar is still rocking it with new things. Uh, so, doggone it, Pixar is an inside company. Talk to somebody at Pixar or get John Lasseter in on this project or something then and make some original stuff. But that doesn't mean that a sequel to Mary Poppins is a bad idea. I don't think it's exclusive to Disney, though. There just kind of yeah. seems to be a general uh, lack of originality in a lot of entertainment Because they're anymore. looking for franchise. Everything um, they want to franchise, it's got to be maybe, something that's a proven... That's why so many books get turned into movies, because if a book is, oh, hey, it sells really good as a book, let's make a movie off of it and we can make money. Well, that's they, the nature stop, of the game. Stop chasing the money and like make something quality and you know the money will come. I mean, it's, it's about the focus, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, Wars, that's my yeah. two Star Wars was completely cents. unknown at one point. We'll just put it like that. was a, an original great idea. And it was Star Wars, and now look what we've got from it. But uh, okay, so but the the only other question I would have, and and I'd like for everybody to email us here, podcast at neverlandpodcast.com, or leave a voicemail eight one six two two six six four nine two. I don't know who you get to replace Dick Van Dyke, and I almost think it would be cool if, I mean he's he's in his nineties. But he's still getting around. I would love it if they could maybe have the story just a few years down where maybe he, Dick Van Dyke could even still play Bert. Just as, but he's a, older. as a cameo, kind of like you know, just. Well, Bert's got to be in there. He's he's you know. too cool of a character. You have to bring Bert in, but mm. maybe maybe it's been later on. So Mary Poppins really hasn't changed because she's who knows what she is. Mm. You know, only Travers knows who what she really is or something. I, I actually go with the uh, Hogwarts class of uh, 1890 or something like that, you yeah. know, because her wand is hidden in her parasol, you know. And she, while out amongst the muggles, she pretends there is absolutely no magic. When she's about to do the thing in the street and jump into the picture, she kind of looks around make sure nobody, or, well, Dick Van Dyke, yeah. Bert, looks around, no one's looking. Okay, so she's making sure the muggles don't see it, see? 
Okay. So it could be, but still, but but if she came to Earth and she has not changed, but Bert has aged because a few years down the road, Dick Van Dyke could still come and play it, and that would be cool. But mm. if you think somebody else could actually match Dick Van Dyke and has that kind of a talent, physicality, physicality, and everything, let us know what you think. Are you a fan of DuckTales, Gargoyles, or Tailspin? Then boy, have I got a podcast for you. Hi, I'm Jason, host of DAF Radio. And I'm Matt, the co-host. Join us as we talk about these fan-favorite shows that you grew up with and meet the people that made them. Find us at DAFradio.net or in your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, enjoy the afternoon. Okay, so you didn't get to go with me this year. No, I didn't. My you my grading, grading, the life yeah. of a teacher. We don't yeah. get weekends really. But my my father and my stepmother met me there, although it was after the parade. Uh, so they That's missed okay. the parade. They. But okay, so I got there as typical. Uh, and if you want to see the video of the parade, I've posted it on the Neverland Podcast YouTube channel. I'm also I'm going to publish at the same time that I publish this podcast. Be putting it up at the news.neverlandpodcast.com. I'm going to have some pictures, lots of video of the parade. Um, but how can I describe the parade to you? Well, it's small town, and as I said earlier, mm-hmm. it's the marching bands have like 10, 15 students. Because these are small towns. Because it's a small know. town. <laughs> this is what inspired Walt. It's the small town. This is where he grew up. This is where his heart was. So if anyone's like, wow, this is less than spectacular, it's supposed to be. It's a small town. This is it's how all they about, present it. It's all about simplicity. And, it's simplicity. And, you know. So you have about two schools that were there. Uh, Brookfield and of course the Marceline High School mm-hmm. and uh, Brookfield actually did stop and do a turn. It's, it's they're probably the two biggest towns that are up there. Probably, the, yeah, they're in the closest in area. area. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, Brookfield. I swear they only had one trumpet player, and well, so they may have. <laughs> he was playing the main melody, and it was so weak that I, I had to smile and kind of laugh to myself. But like, that's part of the. Charm he was giving it. it his all, though. I'm sure he's like he's all alone. He doesn't have a, a harmony to support with other trumpet players. You know. That's some pressure, though. That is You're some pressure. You're basically doing it solo, but pretty much, so, you know. Yeah, so we had, like, the two marching bands, and as usual, they had the lady who likes to play the bagpipes. Oh, she's awesome. And she plays Disney tunes on the bagpipes. That is, she's so awesome. So, so awesome. Playing the Mickey Mouse song and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, uh, I, I don't remember the lady's name, but she's there every time. And the guy who always calls the parade is like, and here's da-da-da-da, and her goat. Yes! got her goat pulling a cart behind it with a little kid in it, as usual. Yes. Uh, so always there with a goat. Uh, of course, there's a group that has you know horses, and they have their nice show horses mm-hmm. they come out with. Um, the Shriners show up? Uh, no, the stuff. Shriners weren't there this oh, year. Oh, okay. Uh, but they did have, of course, they have the typical boat full of little boys dressed as pirates. Pirates, yep. And the princess tea parties, you know, with all yep. the little girls. The little all, girls this has been princess. made up earlier, in which they have the makeup thing going all day. Mm-hmm. But And, of course, they have, like... Miss Marceline, Miss Teen Marceline, and all that all type the, of thing. Yep. And and pageants you don't really hear much about, like Miss Outdoors Missouri and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so I love these... Miss Outdoors Missouri. You're pretty and you can, like, shoot a gun. I mean, come yeah. on. Oh, and you should have seen. Uh, I'm, I'm liking how this is going because these beauty queens... Not all of them were super skinny. They some of them. Oh look, you look like a real woman, real, real like girl next door type. So, of thing. I, I, yeah. I like it. It's like oh look, these look like real people. Mm-hmm. These girls, although all of them were, I think they're, they're all teen this and teen that. But it's like yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad okay. we're recognizing that people can be beautiful without being size zero. 
Yeah. So, yeah, that was cool to see. And so, of course, they came by. And now here's a, a large chunk of this. I'd never seen this group a bit over here before, but they did you know that they have a Missouri Volvo club? No. And so, you yeah, a long line of, uh, I, I don't know, I don't remember how far back some of these dated. I think the first one they said was like a 1950-something Volvo. Mm, okay. And so all these old Volvos are rolling by and getting more modern as they go along. I think Neat. it was like 10, 15 cars just rolling by all these Volvos, and they decorated, and of course everybody throws candy out, and so kids are going into the street and grabbing candy. And, yeah. Uh, but it, it seemed to be a, a kind of a short parade, and uh, I don't. I think last year's was a bit more fun, but it's always it, nice. It's and different every year, and you okay. know. Now I did put this up on Periscope. Okay, I was okay. viewing. You know, so if, but if you didn't get to follow on and live stream and watch on Periscope, I have uploaded this to YouTube. I uh, don't believe I'm. Po- well, no, I am posting this onto the website, uh, so you can go check it out. But on Periscope, after I'd shut off my handy cam because I was using both my the Sony handy cam on a tripod, so it's not shaky, so you can get a good steady look. Uh, but I was carrying around my phone. But uh, in the middle of my Periscope video, I, you know, I've tried to hold the uh, the the phone up while I'm putting mm-hmm. the camera and the tripod away. But then I take the Periscope uh, watchers, and you can see this still on YouTube. I like Periscope; it lets you it downloads the video. You know, it's it saves it onto your phone as you're streaming. Unlike Meerkat, that you stream it and it puts it on their website, and I can't get it downloaded to do whatever I want with it. And there's your ad for Periscope. <laughs> yes, Periscope through Twitter. Start using that app. Forget Meerkat. Meerkat takes ownership of your video. Apparently, I still get my videos from Periscope, so I will be using them from now on. So get the Periscope app, and you can follow anytime I broadcast live from anything like this from now on meerkat bye-bye okay so moving so, on so moving on so but i took it we walked down main street and i showed some of the sites i showed mm-hmm. the uptown theater where they premiered the great locomotive trace yep. Yep. Uh, which was awesome and of course the spirit of mickey was premiered there which was like a yep. i think it was a dvd video collection of mickey mouse uh, cartoons although they've taken the marquees down and they've put them in one of the buildings now behind a window that might be better just to protect I, yeah, I them, think you know? That's what I think the idea was. They were protecting mm-hmm. the, the old marquees. Uh, so we went down there, went into the park. Marceline, they, um, remember their pond that they yes, had there yes, in the park where the, the booths and everything. They have totally changed it, didn't they? Yes, it's beautiful. They have redone the pond, redug out a new pond, put some new water in there, dyed it blue. It's beautiful. And there were still, I guess, some things they wanted to do with it. Not a big fan of the dying, but that's okay. Well, but it, it looks beautiful. And I mean, it's it's not like it's a real park. Park. I mean, it's not a nature park. I know, you know but you know, it's a dugout pond. You, so you know, me and nature. I know, but it's it's a man-made pond. I got gotcha. you. So, I know, and, but it looks beautiful, it really does, right there. And they're wanting, to, of course, to expand the park to go across the street and eventually put the new Midget Autopia on the other side. And mm-hmm. uh, so that, all that was though on Periscope. I took through the booths and everything. That video was available. You can check it out. I did though while I was there. Uh, towards the end of the day, I did go to where Peter Whiteman. Uh, had told me about the uh, where the Midget Autopia used to be in the Walt Disney Municipal Park. Mm-hmm. So I did drive out there and visited, saw the pool, mm-hmm. took some photos, did a walk on the track. I, I, I felt like it was something that needed to be done. So you did it. So I did it. Mm-hmm. I walked the track, and I filmed this whole thing, and it'll be on the website on our YouTube channel. Walked around there. You can. It's all on the cement. There you can see the little bits where the track used to be. I went underneath the tunnel where the the, the pavement is unfortunately cracking and everything. And it's it was a fun kind of windy thing. So I, I can imagine that must have been a lot of fun to drive on. Well, and it's not going to be there anymore because they're no, they're keeping that. The oh, plaque they're, they're is even still there. They're keeping the track and everything. Yeah, okay, they, they have kept it since 1977. Well, after they I knew that. It. I knew that. There's had... no reason to get rid of it. Okay. It's, I mean, this is was the actual dedication place. Okay. And the plaque is wonderful. Um, 
I, I forgot to post up the photo I took of the plaque onto the uh, the website. I will make sure I add that before I publish later, but I will have the plaque that you can read from the dedication with the mayor and then Roy and Walt Disney. And it was, uh, it was you know, just months before Walt passed. So it's kind of cool to but have that. But it's the pool that's leaving, right? The pool, they okay, said it might be the last year, but I, I, they, they, I don't think they'll destroy it, you know, because there's too much historical significance to that pool. Uh, but they might need to build a new pool on that same place, you know, perhaps. But I'm sure they don't want to get rid of it. Uh, but, okay, had some fun adventures, though. Okay, I went in, of course, to uh, the, the area where they have the symposiums. Or it, This is basically like a comic convention that a town does. Yeah. So they have panels mm-hmm. while while booths are going on selling merchandise. Uh, you know, they got antique shops and all this kind of things, and of course, food vendors and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, but I went in there and I was looking at the art gallery, and um, I had the thought because okay, Alex, I think it's May or her or Mar. I don't know how you say it. I you know he always has such neat artwork that he, that he puts there, and he auctions and they raise money through nice. this auction for uh, for different things. And uh, I thought, you know what? I wonder if he's got like a fan page of his art. And so I start looking, and I find him on Facebook. He is a Disney artist. Interesting. So huh. I did kind of, you know, and I started talking to him on Facebook. You know, I sent a couple of messages like, hey. And I took a photo of his artwork. He's like, are you this Alex Marr? Do you do the work for Marceline as well? Mm-hmm. And he says, depends upon if you like it. And I said, it's great. I love it every time mm-hmm. I see it. So I'm going to see if I can get him to come talk to us sometime. Uh, I, I, you know, sometimes artists, they don't, you know, they're not really talkers. They just love to, to draw. So I don't mm-hmm. know if it'll happen. But, uh, I mean, his art is great. And I've posted some of his pictures through the past few years over at news.neverlandpodcast.com. So it is there. Um, but so I went and got to see. And uh, I'm going to share this audio here later. But uh, the one panel that I definitely wanted to make sure I saw was this. Uh, he's a computer artist named Jason Opat. Okay. And he's got a business in Wichita. Uh, it's IMG, and I forgot what IMG stands for. But, okay, when you watch movies like Iron Man, or I'm going to specifically name ones that they worked on, Iron Man, Transformers, Spider-Man 3, mm-hmm. um, but you see these computers that are doing these neat graphical things and animations and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's what he does. His company oh, makes these cool. animations. And it's stuff that, well, like when you watch on Iron Man and he does like the 3D things and he's working with stuff, you know. They do all that. Yeah, stuff like that. Interesting. That's I mean, cool. it's because yeah. somebody has to animate what a computer is doing. Sure. And as he says in his panel, we are Jarvis in the first Iron Man. And really they are. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's such a great creative process to it. And I'll let him talk about it when I play the panel audio here at the end. But it was fascinating because I always had wondered, it's like, you know what? What do they do here? Uh, and and some of the imagery you'll see, I'll be putting up a video on the on the website later, or at least at YouTube, where sometimes it's a blue screen, but sometimes they have to have the animations to be on the computer screens for the actors to interact with. It's just a lot of you know really neat stuff that you don't think about, but yet you kind of wonder in the back of your head: Did they actually make a computer program to just display this stuff for them? But no, it's this completely animated sequence. And sometimes they take live action. Stuff and they put animation over it like a computer is targeting something, and the, you know somebody's got to animate that and create that that stuff, and that's what his company does. It was awesome. It was that's really cool. fantastic. Yeah. Okay, but here's this was neat. So uh, after that, uh, that's when my my stepmother and my father had had arrived in in Marceline, and they were looking around the booths and doing things. Uh, but I said, oh hey, it's time for lunch. Meet me over here at Ma Vicks, mm-hmm. which is where we Ma ate Vicks last is year. awesome. Yep. Uh, it's changed a, a little bit. They've taken a wall out to move the freezers. The menu's kind of been changed up. But while I'm sitting there, behind my father and stepmother, they have some photos up on the wall. And one of them, uh, and I don't know if you saw this part of the PBS special, but there is a little blonde-headed boy 
Yeah, I saw that. That and there's a photo, there, but he uh, he is there fishing on the bridge when Walt and Roy come up and they fish with him, and there's some photos taken of him. And well, I got to meet him. Okay, so what, what was your name? Jim Payton. Hi. <laughs> and uh, the reason that I got to meet Walt Disney was my father was one of the ins- people who was instrumental in getting him back to Marceline was the, the dedication of the pool. And they had all kinds of activities set up for him to attend. You know, you've probably seen one of them was the mailman and mm-hmm. riding a wagon. And, and of course, the, the premiere of the Disney movie, The Great North Motor Chase. The one thing they wanted him to have do is go out to a bridge where he would fish as a child and have a young fellow out there fishing. <laughs> and I was chosen to be that boy. Oh, wow. Were you nervous? No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm a 12 year old kid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you. Oh, my and, goodness. And it's, you know, it's just so, it's so easy. And, and um, the funny thing is that after the, all the was over and done with, with all the hubbub, I don't know what happened to my fishing pole. <laughs> Choking on my onions. And they and uh, Disney Corporation sent me pictures of this. And cool. when he came back for the dedication of the Disney School, when they had a reception at the park for him, and I took several of those photographs down there, and he autographed them. Oh, wow. several autographed Disney. That is yeah, that's something you keep in the scrapbook and you keep showing and, the rest of the family, right? Yeah. And, and uh, 20 years ago, I sold one of them at a thousand dollars. Wow. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> so, anyway, you know, as they say, Andy Warhol, everybody has their 15 minutes of fame. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right, well, thank you. You've 30 now. <laughs> so, yeah, and it, it, the cool thing before, you know, I had talked to him there mm-hmm. is that uh, so I was talking about that, and he was getting up, he was having lunch, sitting at the table right next to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he gets up, he kind of leans over and touches my shoulder and says, like, you want to know something interesting? I'm that boy. Ah, and I, I had a mouthful of food. Oh, I'm sure you. And my you, my jaw dropped. Food fell out. Sure. <laughs> and I said, "Did you get to see yourself on the PBS special?" And I then I forgot I had a mouthful of food, and I was saying all this. I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I had totally embarrassed himself, but I had I took a photo of him next to the picture that was on the wall of him with Walton Roy. <laughs> so, but that was that was really cool. I'm like an unexpected. That, and you're even turning red now. Talking it was so about it. to have a mouthful <laughs> of food. Oh, but uh, I, it was great to get to just talk to him and hear a little bit of his story. Uh, yeah. And so I hope you enjoyed hearing that. But uh, okay, so Jeremy of course, embarrassing himself. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then, of course, went to the museum. Took my uh, my stepmom and dad into the museum, and uh, you know, it's always educated awesome. Them. It's a very very cool museum. Always awesome. I didn't record anything in the museum, but I did get to talk to Inez, uh, which you remember from episode forty two. Uh, she mm-hmm. took me on a tour, yep. uh, and her daughter is Kay Mallins, who uh, kind of heads this this thing up, and mm-hmm. also lives in the old Disney farmhouse. Uh, so, and of course, after that, uh, you know, took them over to the Walt Disney School, you know, elementary school, and then we went to go see the Dreaming Tree. Now, when we went and turned that corner at the farmhouse, there's cars just lined up. And I was like, wow, is this, you know, because I've seen Kay has a bunch of, like, picnic things set up usually behind the house. I guess mm-hmm. there's, like, a party and an event. So I thought, okay, well, maybe they're getting ready for that. So I pull in on a park to go to look at the tree. And as I walk up, they're doing their, their ceremony that I'd heard about, but I had not seen. And part of the ceremony was these, uh, I forgot what they, they called the group of kids that they, they I guess they do things. 
and they prepare probably all year for this special sure. thing. But they or gave at least a, all fall. You know, <laughs> yeah. Summer, fall. They gave this really nice presentation, kind of telling the story of the Dreaming Tree. You guys want to step a little closer because of the noise? Yeah. These kids have an amazing story. All right. Are you guys ready? Okay. In the Walt Disney film Cinderella, the main character believes that a dream is a wish that your heart makes. This philosophy came from the biggest dreamer of all, and that is why Walt Disney has become the keeper of all the magic of our childhood. As we gather around this magical spot, we want to share with you Red Australia. We're going to share the magic of our screen. <laughs> Walt moved to Marshall when he was only four years old. He played for Red Hell on the fine life. The cow, pigs, and chickens were some of his favorites. And who knows? Maybe that's why he was so many Barnard characters and is making out into a symphony cartoon. As a child, Walt spent hours sitting under the branches of a giant cottonwood tree that would later be known as the Dreaming Tree. Right on this very spot. <laughs> he would lay on his stomach and observe all the nature around him. Then he would sketch it. This bird placed such an impact on Walt that as an adult, he would come back and spend hours under the branches of this dreaming tree. That is why one of Walt's grandsons contacted us and said, I would like to come back to Marceline and do something on the Disney farm. So Grandpa ever talked about. We asked, what would you like to do? He responded, Plant a tree, of course! <laughs> so a sapling was grown from the seed of the dream tree. Walt's grandson, Brad, flew in from California. Three Walt Disney World ambassadors collected a, came up from Florida. They bought soil from the hub of the Magic Kingdom and water from the rivers of America. And they assisted Walt's grandson in planting son of dream close to the very proudly, right over there. But then in 2002, the dreaming tree was struck by lightning. Oh, no! <laughs> Lucky for us, several years before that, the American Forest Historic Tree Nursery from Jacksonville, Florida, collected over a million seeds from the tree. That's a lot! <laughs> Okay, and I have to admit you with you, the little girl who came up and sang a little bit from Cinderella, I almost teared up. Um, it was so cute. I was just like, oh, it was just so special. It was adorable. I loved it. 
And video of this entire thing, I, I happened to be periscoping when I went to the tree because I promised I'd be back on for that. Mm-hmm. And so I went in with periscope. So there is video of this. Granted, I, you know, I had the cam- the camera held vertically because it was my phone and periscope I found out later did finally release a method where you could landscape hold it and get a wider shot. But I did try to edit these videos to make it viewable. But definitely I recommend going and seeing the video yourself. It's really great to see these little kids. The sound is kind of hard to hear. There's a lot of cicadas going on. Yeah, the katydids in Missouri sure Uh, seem loud. Yes, uh, but I did also go into the barn. And in the video you can see I go uh, uh, to show where Window to the Magic, Patrick Hurd, uh, had been there years ago and had signed very large on the barn. I have written the Neverland podcast kind of nearby them because I used to go in there with my name and I could never find where I'd written my name. Yeah, we've signed it probably about two or three different yeah. times because we well, can't find. I like name to mark it for in. every year I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to find my own name and just put the year each time. Mm-hmm. Well, it was when I, I realized, oh look, Window to the Magic has this huge WTTM thing that Patrick mm-hmm. wrote in there. I was like, I can always see that across yeah. the barn. So I wrote Never the Neverland podcast and my name and your name that one year, and I've been just writing the year in. Although they didn't have a marker around, so I didn't get to write. You know, 15. well, their barn is about full. I mean, like a lot Boy, of times they the some of the signatures fade. And um, depending on where you wrote it and like someone else can write over it because it's, it's faded. It's just yeah. so full on the inside. So many people come and visit the barn. Visit the barn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was neat to be able to see it again. And it's all on this video that definitely go and view it on YouTube. Or, uh, like I said, news.neverlandpodcast.com. I'm publishing it all over there. And eventually, all these photos that I took in previous years, I'll be sharing them because I didn't want to do a lot of repeat photos. Because some of the things are the same. You know, display cases that have neat displays are the same ones that were there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, without further ado... Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Colbert. I learned 
they interact with movies. But every bit of media requires some sort of animation for us. Now, there's the next level of animators, of course, to do uh, the robot transformers. This just gives you an idea here what, what goes into animation. This is our real orbited horrible clients. We can take still photos and animate those. There's, there's a lot to do with mobile animation. And there you go. Yes, Mark, there you go. I'll come back to that in a second. Alright, I'm going to get off that. Okay, so it gives you an idea. So what is it doing in movies? Okay, so what we are is we're part of the set design. So when you have a script in the movie, the scene may say, uh, John Boyd watched the Pentagon, which is all we do for Transformers. And so, We know that he's going to watch our scene as much computer time. All we know at that point in time, the set is built that there is no, we just know there's a number of screens and nobody has an idea of what is going to happen because we're so early in the film, basically you're like stripping this stuff out of mountains. So we know we got to fill screens. We go back and start to figure out what we're going to do to animate it if you believe this is the Pentagon. Now, later in my career, I got to be an honorary commander. We did the doing out of our Force Base. And they flew me up to Spider Force Base, where this similar uh, Pentagon sequence is there with the world, Spider Force Base. And flattering the is that they told me that my screens were cooler than theirs. <laughs> but ours just, ours can't kill people, theirs can't, so they win. Uh, but the, the thing is, is for references, we're trying to make people believe. In the sequence, by just looking at it, those are real computers with real things, real maps. And so it's a really fun, fun way to be creative for us. Uh, but there's a lot of work with it. And some of these sequences, uh, you can shoot the screens that are on the bottom. But because there's certain things that aren't done, that set's going to be torn down. So we have to be in the beginning of the movie, we have to be in the end of the movie. Here's why I say that. And then they lay it on the 
Now, this is the part where you have fun with the mobile pilots. You know, that's about numbers don't really say anything, and it's not real. It's not even because you just kind of gave a reference to it. The real pilots under that joke would, but I know it's like it would. This was supposed to be the A10. Okay, if anybody in their aircraft bus, the A10, those aircraft are like this. It's a tiny green thing about this thing. But all magically for film, it fills the frame perfectly. So they use it that way. But that's not the way that I call Another sequence would be, okay, they're tracking us in Air Force One, they're in collision, all the radar screens, all the things happening. If you took two feet, two steps behind that wall, you would just see plywood. It just, it's just about the size of this room. I kind of ruined the movies for everybody because you realize these things are just small animations. Uh, but, you know, this is one of our favorites. This is one of the printouts I think I have back there. Um, this is a huge challenge because in this movie, the big key to this film, and then the trailer, there's a sound in here. It goes, like, what is this sound? Well, that's the virus that we get into the system. We have to portray it with that sound. So that's what this is doing. We're zooming in, we're tracking the sound, we're stripping out things, making you believe we're doing all this audio work. And when we were working on this, it was a huge challenge because we originally built this screen at a different resolution than both of this small. Because it's supposed to be a little side room, no business. Michael Bay, in his grandiose thinking, decided to, where you saw Pentagon, build another entire set with, I think, 20 screens this way. And what originally was a screen design here had to grow now to be bigger and be more complex. So I'll give a kind of back up a little bit for a second. While these screens are important, where we fit in, is because if you watch all the movies of the old, they reference computers, and even today there's some sets that do this. There's, I think, war games on the night too. They're just blinking lights in the back, like this, around. Star Trek, that blinking light up here, blinking light back here. So it just kind of keeps you thinking this device is thinking and moving. Our screens are designed the same way. They're all blink, 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 blink. And we design them based on animation so that when the camera sees them, the back of the thing, nobody's going to be distracted and try to do anything to actually believe that this computer is thinking to do this thing. Now, this is, a, this is a key sequence here where we had to point to the reference of the sound. And that's in the movie trailer, that was the one that we did first. Again, there's just more work every time you've got to tell a story. This one we had to strip out all the, all the characters and decipher a signal of what the transformers were sending into the computer system right here. They were putting the virus in. So that was, a, that was a straight sequence, and there's the three words that they hope that had to happen. Technic stuff, Project Iceman, and I think Captain of the is the next one. And if you go back and watch this movie now, you'll be able to see all this stuff. So there's a lot of actors left out that you can get into this as editing. And the word that is in the movie is here. She sits down next to this guy and says, hey, what is this sound? I just heard this from the Pentagon. And you have to figure out what it is. Here's another piece of movie magic. Um, this is the screen that I originally built myself. And I don't know if oh, that looks like an audio screen on the screen, but that looks like anybody can have it. This guy's supposed to be super special and have his own super software, so you're going to do it again. So I sat in back in, redid it, so that he was passing with the colors of the way it looks. So, just when you think you're done, you have to take care of this business. 
but they are live on set, which is important because it adds an element of complexity to the set, but it also adds authenticity to the room that it's in. TV shows are doing this on a regular basis now, too. Um, other films that we work on, uh, I'll back up. Um, and it's a session of things. When I did Shaggy Dog, and we got back into the police, it's the next thing that we play. And then you click Goblin with Spider-Man 3. And this is the thing with Spider-Man 3, Goblin Flair, where he stepped out of the cage and made himself stronger with whatever the open. I can't think of what it's called, but he stuff it's over. And he said, well, why do you look like the ball? I said, no, it's just him enhancing himself. Other important things is the Perry Osborne's, he's in the hospital, so he has to have a heart monitor inside. He's going to build a heart monitor. But we do have to pay attention to numbers here. Because uh, we think we put where it says 101 for our rate, we put in like 300 or whatever that number. How many bullets that you get? So we decided to talk about the This is a sequence to show you. We had to come in and build new, se new sequences for this. They weren't done with the film, but we had to get our frames and graphics done for the film as well. So this is one of the sequences. Because we needed to do a new graphic. Now, just a simple news graphic for this board for timing's sake. You can see here, there's still not metal on their part. They know that they can lay our graphics back into the sequence. So everybody's racing to the end of this movie at the same time. So we do things that would major, make it look like a major flight, you know. Um, and where I, because of the industry now, I've been videotaping corporate videos for aircraft industry. I have to go stand there and look at the wings and watch engineers tear apart the wing or test the strength. And, strain based testing, all these different tests. So that kind of inspired me on how to put these into art pieces that we're doing here because I want to convey to you that I'm testing the integrity, the metal of this flying water. And so through experience we just having to look at real engineers and look at warming numbers, these years get real excited about when a number doesn't change. Zero doesn't change because that's been strong. So that doesn't ever work for all the way much numbers to change. Real is fun, but this is uh, visually appealing. I said it looked fun, but the screens don't look like this. Uh, so we want to convey that we're testing heat uh, just in spite of a certain rate, what would that look like? Again, we're borrowing things from, you know, like you see from design to measuring temperature. So every illustration that we did, this one's testing the integrity of the bumping box, that they're on a giant shelf. So why not have a computer? Running through with your useful model to make sure it work properly. This one uh, is higher for Iron Man. The director of this movie loved it. When we submitted this to John Favreau for Iron Man, he said, You guys are on set. You guys are going to be awesome. So we did. We went right from there, right into Iron Man. <laughs> and Iron Man was a lot of fun. Um, John Favreau was a lot of fun to work with in the last day. Backing up a little bit for a little bit of story, Michael Bay would, uh, when we got done with our set, you know, I'm back on my goal all the time. Now we're in the strong. And now all of a sudden, you know, I see this Spielberg, one of my idols of all time, you know, all over the Senate. He was a producer in Iran. So he walked into that thing on set, we loaded all of our screens on the streets. And nobody in LA knew who loaded him, where they made him. He didn't just restrict you, made it like, Hired me look like this hero on a set. Like, you, you just did an amazing thing. Nobody knows how you did it. 
know, that's, that's not fun for us. Well, Rick finally told uh, Stephen Spielberg that this group was the answers that we had done this. And he said, get him on the phone. And I want everybody on set to get on the phone, let him hear. And he made everybody on set cheer for us, clap for us, for all of our work that night, which was awesome. Because in my way, I kind of butter, but he's kind of a jerk sometimes. He's awesome. But he is taking me to you, so you have to that part of the work. But to have my way, or to have Steven Spielberg, you know, some tiny thing I've said, to have Steven Spielberg say that to me directly, my staff, that was cool. You know, that that was like, this is all. This is just a thrill. It makes me love what I want. Negative side, that night they moved our service. Next day, set is loaded with all the actors, the guys in the military, everybody sitting in their workstations to look like we're going to do it. The main actors are there. They go to Lowe's Speed and start to throw errors. All those little videos of choppers and things were all referenced in front of a server that somebody moved on set. And it was just destroying the set. Microwave the next morning is cussing, foaming in the mouth on it. That's wrong. We went from heroes to sheer terror the next day. And it always seems to go back to that scene from Apollo 13 when you walk in the room and you say, you got duct tape, 16 hours of air left. And this dude or something else will solve the problem. And we really had to literally decipher what was happening on the other end for people on the ground to fix the problem. And I said, half my staff on because they just know. So it was a very stressful When I look at these streets, I see hours of stress. I see, you know, of course, I'm so proud of this. You go to a rental store and play, or you turn on the TV and the beer runs are on. There's our work. It's out there forever. So that's exciting to know. Now these sequences here are Iron Man. Again, this is at the beginning of the movie. So when we start this film, all we existed was a scan of Stan Winston's actual statue of Iron Man. And then a 3D scan of Robert Downey Jr. and stuff. So that's actually Robert Downey Jr. that got scanned right there. Turned into a 3D model. And then just sent us these files to let us talk about They sent us an illustration. And it's up to us to create a design out of the elements that we actually don't have much of to work with, so that when set goes live, the tape is drying when you go to our space and start, start shooting the first sequence where they know what comes to. So you can see here all the buttons, all these things, and you have to be the personality of Jarvis. He's a good person. And so, but one of the problems here is my beauty artist put the drawings in the back of the booth. That's all they had in the booth. He created a 3D image, and it's a few that explosion and tear apart But they didn't use that later in the movie where he's working on the movie. And they actually used our image to help them move into the movie faster. Uh, another idea where they call it sequences, uh, things we have to do quickly, is he, there's a sequence where Robert Downey Jr. is working on his car, his old car, and he asked Jarvis to pull up the schematic of whatever 19 year this engine is. And so our staff had to go find the engine, make a 3D model of it, and disease, then we draw it into the other graphic sequence. So none of the stuff which is you have to be on, you have to make everything yourself, you have to know how to do it. So you know back up being an artist, our 3D artists, you have to be able to draw it, you have to support order elements. You have to come back and build uh, you don't have to love audio, but we are part of this. But we are we are still filmmakers. Audio. 
Um, we have to be creative. There's not a lot of time. In our world, we're going to stick down. We can't get anything done. So we try to do things done fast in our time frame. Just to back up, give you an idea this screen, based on our screen and our expertise, by the time we were hired for this movie, this screen probably would have taken us two weeks to do. But we were so good, my staff that I should get going. One, one of my artists worked with myself, he conceptualized the digital graphic, and then it animated and built, and he did it, get done in six hours. So he had a huge workflow to get things done, and it took a lot of imagination, just a lot of experience. But we created a production line that guys would do creation. Some guys would do the repetition, we just create buttons and numbers, and then another group of people would build that into what's called director, send that file back upload it to set it down. Now, the beauty of that is, it didn't matter where you're out. It didn't matter where you were, because if you were in California, you would still be in an office in a cubicle uploading the file set. So it didn't matter. What mattered is our talent, our strength, and ability to just get this done. And so, actually, we're two hours ahead of California. So it's always nicer because we could be a young, make some updates to a file, re upload the set, take the data, and get it ready. And so, disconnecting from not being in LA. Wasn't a problem with the internet anywhere. High speed internet doesn't get the set. However, we did run into issues once more. Um, I was working on the movie Fireball. We had a high storm. I lost power all over the place. And I was running on the TV. Uh, gas and the generator at home, you know, but I had power at my office in town. And he, so I was plugged in internet. But the internet was dropped out all over town, too. Just ice taking lines down. It's awful. Here's my first big movie again. Here's my chance. I just finished Shaggy Bug and I'm looking at the firewall. And I, there's no way I can describe it directly. We have an action on Sunday There's <laughs> no way. And so that was very stressful. So uh, I guess there's sometimes geography can affect you, but for the most part, it shouldn't. Um, these are just all these kind of sequences that you know, our work will have to create to do this. So what's important about this is the staff that I brought in had the schools and workshops in the areas that was able to train them to get what we need. And then just sheer need for the comments to tell us what it makes it easier to get things done. Uh, another piece that we played on, we did other movies, was Get Smart from another one. Love that song. Again, that's a Disney movie, so that's not exciting for us to do. So we make it Disney lower. And this one's fun because these screens we got to load onto the set, but we got to put our own faces in there as spies. So they're going to be fun. So when you pause the movie, you stop getting smart, you'll be able to see me right there in the, the rock and you're walking by it. So it's kind of our own people shout out to ourselves uh, in that movie. And the first one that we actually worked on it, because I tell you what, we just all believe I did a huge shift with my Where did you do the movie again? You worked DVD copies or what? I mean, you wouldn't believe the things that people don't believe. Just because you're not in LA, they can't believe you do this. And so, again, I've, I've been probably in the public industry in Wichita, uh, and you can't just keep doing this. And Kansas City, of course, is a huge fashion as well, and animation, they do a ton of work now. Um, again, these are just different ways to track the kinds of streets. 
can't always look the same, but this set, whenever you build something, kind of have to go together. Uh, or you stream it. What's the spy business doing in control? You've got to do emails. You've got to search for the word. You've got to find errors. You've got to find keywords. And then you go. These are kind of fun screens. This one was where she walks out with gloves on it with a thumb, thumb print. She gets in. She's smarter than him. Uh, halfway. This one I did because the staff was busy. This one was actually a suitcase that had a bomb in it that the rock was carrying on the train and they wrapped it and it would be a case falls open and it's cracked and it's damaged. So that's where you got the damage, damaged part of this. There is a cell which pulls up the screen. So there's just kind of different ways to tell the stories. Now I'm going to come back over here to know now. What's cool about this is still now, in our program, we have some new theaters that change all the one theaters. And the Warren has become the number one theater chain, uh, at least their dormant locations have been number one in the country, five person street, in the last few years. And he's got one, which is also dormant, so you wouldn't see them up here. But what we do is we build a policy uh, trailer. So for working uh, locally, trying to find a way to have 
education brought to your schools. So I've been working with Brookfield and talked to Mars for here. I need a way to create a studio here, just like the one I've already created, because back home was I created that to call it Minecraft. So there are just animation, production, film, and audio, and you'll have to get a bachelor's degree out of Well, and I also work with high school there. So my goal now is to come back here in the next year and help develop the program that will have a facility here. Students who want to know how to do this work will have access to it. And uh, so it's one of the projects that we're doing. I've actually been here quite a while on this system. My way to introduce you what animation is, what your kids can be doing. And the importance is, you know, like I said, I came from a town too small than this of 800 people in the middle of Kansas, and I made it to Hollywood, and I still didn't have to come to Los Angeles. So it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what the town is. One of the things I believe in is being able to get talent, get the tools in front of kids to get that spark. You know, and being able to draw, being able to follow some of these things they can do now. So that when they start to sketch and come up with ideas and start to paint, when they get online and download the programs and start doing things, I get teachers all over the place and say, oh my gosh, I was my student becomes too sweet. Well, you can. Obviously, we're in Kansas. But what's nice about that is we can show by example what's going on. And they get to college now, like, hey, you guys are going to school, what is most school kids? You know, a lot of kids that haven't had the advanced equipment college. You know, when you're a kid, you get to play soccer from second grade on. By the time you get to college, you know how to speak soccer, you know how to play soccer. Well, if you're this event and haven't touched this, but some of the schools have, are we missing talent? So I'm kind of like, I believe you can get talent if you get access to things, get an understanding, get them to younger age. So that's one of the things I'll be doing here over the next year, most of um, one last thing. And so the other kinds of other kinds of animations that come out of the Jeff Lights is adjustment. It's gonna be every day. So whatever job that there was going on is anything that's going into your phone is creating an animation. It needs an illustration. Somebody has to be in this day and age, everybody's going to be doing content creation. And those who are making content are going to be the ones that are going to be employed. I mean, it's just, it's just industries you video game design, movies, all of it is going to be insane. You know what I'm saying? So, every aspect of multimedia graphics. Yes, films are cool, transformers are good, that's kind of like the high end. And to get there, it's a long path. But there's things right now you can do, you know, that you have a need for. Even in your companies, like I need to do this, I need a logo, I need animation. How do I do it? Well, the point is, I'm going to get kids there to do that. So, anyway, I think I'm going to some time now. So, I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys later. Okay, well, so there, what, there you have it. So, that's what all goes into a local company doing graphics for movies and shows basically how one you know just a small small town guy because he's was talking about how he came from a small town just like walt disney built a business and wanted to work in hollywood and there it is that's amazing that hollywood can be here in the midwest i mean yeah. a lot of times you got to go east or west to get there but so follow your passion follow yeah. your talents and you can accomplish whatever you want to do that was a walt disney philosophy yeah
All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for us, though, for this week. So uh, make sure next week you come back because I still have a lot of, you know, I got stuff from the Kansas City Comic Con to share. I have Disney audio to share from from Tim Nidell, and I think Eric is going to send me even more audio because he's in Disneyland having a family reunion. Uh, that would be a neat place for a family reunion. No kidding. So he was wanting to come to Toon Fest, but the, I, so I asked him, hey, sir, are you coming? He says, no, got this family reunion in Disneyland. And I'm like, oh, darn. <laughs> you know? hmm. I was like, you know what, Eric? I hope decisions, you're having a decisions. great time right now in Disneyland. And I look forward to talking to you again and hearing what kind of fun adventures you've had. Remember, keep your pixie in your pocket. You remember what I mean by that? Uh, you are positive and keep a positive attitude as you go throughout. And you're spread, spread so your pixie close. dust. Come on. You're so close. It is that young at heart, good attitude that you've got to have, and then you can share it with others by simply a handshake and a smile and simple things like that. Okay. So, gotcha. Yep. She's going to get this memorized. But all right. But God bless. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on Twitter.com slash NeverlandPCast and Facebook.com slash NeverlandPodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright through band productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyrighted by their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. Good night, Neverland! At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.